Attention Strictly Hoop Talk and Strictly Hip Hop listeners. Fans, you know I've been talking about this clothing line forever, but Anti Forever USA is where you need to be to get dope clothes, man. I'm telling you, I just got a hoodie in the mail today. It is awesome. It is one of their premium uh, hoodies, and they have they have so much more, though, than hoodies. They have beanies. They have hats. They have long sleeves. They have t-shirts. They have everything, and they got more stuff coming soon. I was just told that they have more stuff coming soon, so fans... Go to Anti Forever USA today and remember to use the special co- promo code PLATTY to get 10% off your purchase. That's P-L-A-T-T-E. And make sure you know that the P is capital. The link will be in the description of the podcast. Shop Anti Forever USA today. AntiForeverUSA.com Welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty. Got another first-time guest on the podcast this time. This time, going back, way back to MSU Journalism School this semester, Chase Michelson of Quickslant. Chase, how you doing, man? Uh, hey, Chris, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. Yeah, so um, for those of you that are listening to Chase for the first time on this podcast, this is his first appearance, and... Um, Chase and I go back in, in journalism class. Shout out to Mike Castellucci. That was a that was a, that was a good class. That was a good time. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, I mean, I I definitely enjoyed that class. It was I showed up, so that meant that I must have liked it because yeah. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. showing up to the social studies classes. Okay. Herring all the way from Seattle, right? Yes, sir. Seattle, Washington. Seattle. This is a this is my go to draft guy for this year's draft. So. Um, I apologize in advance for not doing a full mock draft. I wasn't um, that prep between launching the website, chrisplatty.com, and everything, or getting ready to launch it. Still not launched yet. But between all that, the hip-hop podcast and everything, didn't get a chance to fully commit on a deep dive, uh, hoping that next year around we'll we'll, we'll be able to do a full-time mock draft. But for now, we're just going to talk some prospects we find interesting, uh, some teams, and of course, we'll address all the madness because I mean, it seems like forever ago the Warriors won a championship, right? I who is who's on their team? I can't remember. They, I don't know. They haven't traded or been in trade rumors, so I'm not even sure if they're relevant anymore. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's crazy, man. The, what the Warriors have done, they've kind of put this. Their run has just been so dominant that it's that it's really just forced this madness to where. A team like Cleveland, which in most other years, I'd say eight or other, eight or nine other years of a decade would be of an average decade would be by far a title favorite, and right. So, so um, and and they're panicking. They're looking to they're looking to make moves with love. They parted ways with their GM, which I thought was a mistake, but that's a side note. Crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy. I mean, uh, David Griffin did a phenomenal job there, but anyways. Now that it's in madness, we'll address the trades and, and that kind of madness later. Let's talk Let's talk some prospects. So you're the guest of the show. I'll let you go first and do the honors. Pick one prospect that interests you and why. All right, so my first prospect that I want to talk about is the player that I think is the best player in the entire draft. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Markel Fultz, and it's not Lonzo Ball, and it's not Josh, not Josh Jackson. It's De'Aaron Fox from Kentucky. Um, spent one year, uh, he's from Cypress Lakes High School in uh, the Houston area, and he was so impressive um, in his one year at Kentucky. He's really an elite athlete, can get to the rim, and uh, as a defender, I think that he has the potential to become the best defensive point guard in the league. Um, I think already his first 
game in the league, he'll be in the upper tier of defensive point guards. Um, this is a guy who's just a dog defensively and uh, can score too because he's so quick and he's so athletic. You know, there's there's John Wall comparisons. Obviously, you know, wore the same jersey in college, but um, left-handed and I think a little more skilled at this point in time than Wall was um, in 2010. Okay, so your um, your comparison of him is very interesting to me. I, I mean, I've heard the John Wall, and I I see it. But um, when I when I did my deep dive notes that I did in preparation for a podcast, um, and this was this was when I was originally planning to try and do a, a, a thirty first round mock draft. Um, but so I did I did scouts on every player, and when I was looking at De'Aaron Fox, you know, I thought. I thought, you know, he's six. He's six three. He's one eighty. The guy who kind of he reminded me of, and now I know. Okay, fans know on the podcast I'm high on this guy, so I'm high on this NBA player before the injury, of course. And that is Brandon Jennings. I see a lot of Brandon Jennings in him. Um, is that is that a awful comparison? I kind of see him as a more athletic Brandon Jennings pre-injury, of course. Yeah, I don't hate that comparison. I mean, obviously. I mean, visually, just as a left-handed player, a lot of times left-handed guys, you'll see them and you'll think, man, that reminds me of that other left-handed player. Right. You know? And he certainly doesn't remind anybody of James Harden. So Yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, I just, I, I like him as um, a phenomenal athlete. Obviously, he's dangerous in the open court. You'd love to see what he would do in a system like Phoenix. Now, I know Phoenix has their guard set, but um, had do they decide to move Bledsoe? I think they could enter right. back into the Darren Fox sweepstakes. And I think, and, and to me, he's he's an aggressive attacker. He's kind of, at this point, a poor man's Russell Westbrook. He's got incredible quickness, tight handles. But, you know, I just keep coming back to this question of how good is he really in half court? How good will he ever be? And, you know, what is how good can he be in the pick-and-roll playmaking? I mean, it, I mean, I don't know. I just see him as a guy who can... Who can, and that's why he reminds me of Brandon Jennings is because Brandon Jennings had great moments. He was on a tear before he, uh, before he hurt his Achilles and everything, and poor choice of words by me there. But, um, but but like Brandon Jennings is a guy who who is a good playmaker, but he sometimes misses the reads and stuff. And I see a lot of that in De'Aaron Fox. Like I don't see him as a basketball savant. But um, and I don't see him as an incredible shooter either. So I don't know how good he can be in the half court. Are these concerns fair? Uh, they're definitely fair concerns. Um, first, I want to address the whole issue of the pick and roll and stuff. And to that, I would say, I mean, he's 19 years old, right? And so, and coming out of an AAU system and what's essentially a just a college AAU team at yeah. Kentucky. Um, you, he doesn't, you don't really get a chance to run those NBA style pick and rolls. And, uh, I think that, I don't know if, you know, he steps in and is immediately, uh, an offensive juggernaut. I don't think so. Um, and, right. and, and I think that the shooting goes along with that. Yes, he struggled shooting, um, in college, but I think that, uh, his form is like correctable. Whereas like, we'll get to Josh Jackson later, but I think Josh Jackson shooting is kind of a lost cause. Um, I think Fox has decent form. Uh, he just, you know, I don't think it's falling right now. Um, or it didn't fall, let's put it that way, in his, his only year at Kentucky. And I guess what I come back to is uh, for a point guard, I just want a guy who is an elite athlete and could defend yeah. at a high level. And, I mean, we saw what he did in two games against Lonzo Ball. He really, really outplayed him, and that matters to me. Um, that he took those games personally and outplayed Lonzo twice. You know, once at Rep Arena, his team didn't get the job done, but that wasn't his fault. And then um, in the NCAA tournament, he was dominant. He had 39 points. He was the best player on the court. And that's against a guy who, you know, had dominating first take and undisputed and everything, you know, Yeah. with, with Lonzo, right? So, I mean, I, I look at Fox and I see a guy who day one is a great defender. And then over the course of time can become a better offensive player. But um, if I honestly had to bet on one player in this entire draft, it would be him because guys with elite athleticism and elite defensive skills, I just, I don't see like how to poorly, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, when you have uh, elite athleticism and elite defensive capabilities, because I still don't know. I still kind of question right now his consistency as a, as a great defender. But, you know, that, that's, 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 that's fine. Um, you know, like you said, he's got time to grow. And the upside is definitely there. So when you have those two things as upside, you know, you can, you can really, really become um, something special. You're always going to have a chance to become something special because shooting and stuff, I, I mean, I know that not every player can become a great shooter. Like, I get that, I'm not, and I'm not saying that. But generally speaking, shooting is one of, and offense in general is one of the easier things to, um, as far as finishing at the basket and shooting, like scoring on offense is, is probably one of the easiest things to uh, develop. As you, as your career right. progresses, um, the harder things are the pick and rolls and the and the, you know the the schemes and understanding the game, managing the game, all those things, which I'm not entirely sure about um, where he'll be. And 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 you're right. I mean, when you when you have a player like this, there's definitely potential. So I'm not I'm I'm against your take on him being the highest player in the draft. Um, or, I know it's a hot take. Yeah, but at the same time, at the same time, I'm not saying that this guy can't be that because i mean truly i mean there's there's about there's about five or six guys you can look at this draft and you can reasonably say like if things shake out and this player is the best player it's not that big of a surprise from this draft i agree um so i agree this is a really deep draft yeah but overall darren fox and so here's the thing here's the thing that i think is is an interesting debate that we could spark to and then we could transition to josh jackson who you just mentioned um, mm-hmm. is one of one of the things with the point guards is, as you know, in the NBA, that is the most oversaturated position. And right. I'm really wondering that can uh, can De'Aaron Fox be a top 15, 20 point guard in the league? I mean, it's the deepest position. And so I, I don't think he's going to be – he can be that guy like a, like a Brandon Jennings. That's another reason why I compare him to him because Brandon Jennings was not a top 15, 20 point guard in the game I mean he kind of was during that during that small stretch but outside of that overall he wasn't but he was one of those point guards that could get the best of any point guard on a given night um but he wasn't consistently a top 15 and so when you're when you're talking about top 15 top 20 PG being one of the better half of the point guards in the league that's that's a very tough list to get to and so that's why I think that he might he might be the most the most talented like you said but that's why, to me, I think Josh Jackson is the most valuable in this league is, or in this draft rather, is because um, because the point guard position is so oversaturated that you can find uh, you can find so many point guards that can do a good enough job. But you know, these wing guys are are really are really a, a hot commodity in today's in today's NBA too. So, uh, you know, it, it's like it, you see where I'm coming from with the value difference of of having there's Absolutely. not as many good forwards as there are as there are guard point guards is what i'm trying to say absolutely yeah and so um so so let's let's transition into uh let's transition transition into josh jackson then um but actually actually wait sorry before we do that i do want to ask um then if uh where is looking at where De'Aaron fox could potentially go uh where where do you see as like the best fit for him of the reasonable um of the reasonable uh, projections. All right, so listen, I hesitate. I really, really don't want to say this um, because of the organizational instability that has plagued this team for uh, pretty much our entire lives. But right. I think the answer, honestly, uh, is the Sacramento Kings because um, he can come in and start Obviously, number one, that's a, I mean, that's something that unless Bledsoe gets moved that he wouldn't be able to do in Phoenix. And it sounds like the Lakers are higher on Lonzo. So that that's probably not going to be where he goes. Um, and then obviously Philly's taking Fultz. So, you know, it's a point guard heavy draft. So I think that his two most likely landing spots are Phoenix if they trade Bledsoe or Sacramento. And so assuming that that trade doesn't get done, um, I think it's Sacramento. He comes in, he can have um, a shooter to play off of and buddy heel. And I think it, it's a low pressure way to, to get reps, you know, in yeah. Sacramento. And obviously they got a long way to go. Um, and I, 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 like I said, I hesitate to say this because of just the fear of, you know, what's happened to, 
to guys that have gone there. Yeah, like but Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore. I was just going to say Ben McLemore. Yeah, that's, a, that's a guy I was really high on coming into the draft. Um, coming into the draft and, you know, the the Sun, or sorry, not the Suns, sorry, the Kings have just had a history of not being able to to fully develop talent or even when they have a world-class talent like Cousins, not elevate it enough or or do anything with it. So, you know, to me personally, and sorry Knicks fans, or sorry Kings fans out there, sorry Knicks fans too, by the way, they're going through some things, but... Oh my um, God! <laughs> we'll we'll address that later. So um, <laughs> yeah. So so with the Aaron Fox and everything, you know, I never wish I I never really wish a player, and I never will call or or have faith in a player developing in Sacramento. At least at least I mean, now. It's a, it's a, with, it's a fair point state. for sure. But you know, you're you're right. He will get the reps, and it does seem like it's definitely like the most reasonable. It's pretty much a lock at this point that he'll go there. But let's let's transition to Josh Jackson now. So yep. you look at him, he's got the NBA body, the 6'8", 207, 6'10", wingspan. Great potential to be a two-way player. Um, you know, he, he seems to be very active on both sides of the ball. To me, what, what draws draws me in about him is just his activity and his his motor. I know that's sometimes been questioned, but to me, I... I've seen, I see, I see his motor, and I'm confident in his motor. Um, he's not the best athlete, but he's an he's athletic enough. He's he's an above average athlete. I, I would say Definitely. confidently, he's he's above average athlete, but he's not going to be an elite elite, uh, maybe like an Andrew Wiggins level athlete. But um, but he and he's not an elite scorer, but he's very versatile. He's got a lot of moves. Um, he doesn't really have a go to. So he might kind of struggle early in the NBA, but I think he has potential to be one of the best scorers in the NBA, in in the NBA one day. So I'm I'm high on, it. sorry I'm high on him. Um, I know you said that you had your concerns about his shooting and everything, so I'll let yeah. you address that and Josh Jackson overall. So go ahead and take the floor. Well, so he he shoots weird. Like yeah. <laughs> he has kind of a hitch in his shot, and that concerns me a little bit, um, just because. A lot of times you'll see guys that have decent form. They just don't, they didn't have the, the reps and the shooting coaches and things like that until they get to the NBA and then they kind of fix it. Like Kawhi's form wasn't terrible when he was at San Diego State. The ball just wasn't going in the basket. Right. And that's been corrected, right? Um, yeah, you can say that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, because that's kind of the go to example, right? right. Oh, Ken said such and such wingman develop a jump shot. Well, look what happened with Kawhi. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Jackson, I actually am a little bit higher on him as an athlete than you are. Like, I think this dude's ridiculous. Um, you know, he's he's from he's from your neck of the woods, obviously, down there in the Detroit area. Um, and, I mean, he was he was definitely rocking rims at Allen Fieldhouse this year. Yeah. Defensively, I like him, and I think he can step in. I'm always going to be higher on guys that can step in and play defense day one because if you can't, Stay, like Kyle Korver couldn't stay on the floor in the finals. Yeah. And he's what one of the greatest technically one of the greatest spot up shooters that's ever lived. Yeah. But he couldn't be on the floor because he couldn't defend at all, right? And obviously that's an extreme example because you're going up against a juggernaut team, but you know, I I always look at players, I'm like could they have played in the finals that just happened? Yeah. And Jackson absolutely could have because he could have stayed on the floor. He could have defended. I'm not saying he could have stopped Durant. No, nothing could stop Durant, but he could have defended Durant and done an adequate job. Certainly a lot better than like when Richard Jefferson would get switched on to him. That was nightmarish. You know, yeah. so I think defensively, I love Jackson. And I think day one, he comes in and he makes a difference. That's why, you know, there's this debate about him and Tatum and who is Boston higher on. I think that, you know, I don't, I don't mean this sort of jump ahead but just i think that that yes you know boston has a lot of good defenders but that also means that that's what they like and yeah. i think that this is a type of guy who can go in and step into a team that's competitive and be a contributor on a competitive team right yeah. away yeah you know? and, and i agree with you and to me to uh to raise to your point that you said earlier i'm always on the defensive side like it it you know, obviously, I set the bar at just be average, just be adequate, and that if you're if you're an exceptional offensive talent, just be adequate on defense. But he's got potential right. to be great on both ends. He's got he's got yeah. potential to be a very good two way player. So I'm always very high on two way players. That's why I've said, 
you know, Durant, I know it sounds outrageous because of the finals Durant had, but if I'm being honest, I'm still defending my take that Kawhi is the second best player in the NBA because his okay. two-way game. Because he's a better and, defender. Yeah, and, and Durant's, Durant's a defensive. He's a defensive beast, too, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves. I mean, now he's starting to because, you know, it's the finals bias. But um, right. but it, with, with Kawhi, Kawhi is literally one of – the, you talk to people who have watched the NBA like Bill Simmons for years, and they've said, "I don't think I've ever seen a better perimeter defender than him." So when you have that right. kind of that kind of talent, um, you know that's why I rule Kawhi number one, or sorry, number two, to LeBron James. Of course, I'm not one yeah. of those Kevin Durant people. Uh, we can we, yeah. Neither am I. We don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> All right, yeah, until right. further notice. If you're, you're throwing right. up so, triple doubles in the finals, your your spot is safe. Yeah, yeah, you would think so. Um, so, so back to Josh Jackson though, you know, I kind of compare him to an Andrew Wiggins, um, just slightly mm-hmm. less athletic. Um, I don't, I don't know. You said you're, you're a little bit higher on his athleticism and I think you're right about the jump shot mechanics. To me, that's a big thing. Um, we're seeing it actually with, uh, two players in, De- in Detroit, uh, the Detroit Pistons right now. And that's Reggie Jackson and Stanley Johnson are two players who are constantly working on their shot mechanics and Stan Van Gundy right. has talked to them about it. And they've struggled as shooters. And so, um, you know, it, shooting mechanics is important. And that's something that I've learned in my recent years of studying the NBAs is, is that, you know, you can be a good, you can be a, you, you can be a good shooter. You can have, you can make a lot of shots, but you'll never be a good or great shooter if you don't have the right mechanics. Like the ball just exactly. not consistently go in. Um, you know, so so you need to have that. Um, you need to have that repetition and that and fix those mechanics and get it to a a sound jump shot. And I think I think he can do that. Um, I think he's I think he's got a, a ways to go, and I think he could tweak it. I I see him more as somebody who will tweak it enough to be a good enough shooter. I don't see him as ever being a lights out shooter or a you know. Um, that's what kind of why I compare him to Wiggins because I don't ever see Wiggins, even though he's good at mid range, I don't ever see Wiggins being an overall great shooter. I see him being as an adequate shooter and um, match with match with great defensive ability and other scoring options, like other scoring versatility. So I'm very high on Josh Jackson, and you know you make the interesting point about Boston. Um, do you think? Okay, so they they just draft Jalen Brown last year, and Jalen Brown, right. you know, despite the criticism, he looks like he's going to be a pretty damn good player um, if he continues to grow in Boston. And so, what do you do with Josh Jackson? Then are you sliding him to the two, to the four? You sign Jalen to the four? Like, what's the kind of what's the kind of feel then if you um, if you end up drafting Josh Jackson uh, if you're Boston? Uh, I think it's a couple things. I think number one. You have to look at it in terms of how else their roster construction is working because there's obviously, what, three or four very talented small forwards that are on the market and are being looked at as as options for Boston. And so part of the reason that I think they would draft Jackson is because he's the player that's most universally considered that high-level talent and could theoretically be um, a a better asset um, to acquire... A guy like Jimmy Butler, or to to uh, to have um, an insurance if you don't get Gordon Hayward, or to try to acquire Paul George, you know, I I definitely could see Boston's uh, night not being complete um, in terms of just taking a player and, and piecing out. Like I, I think that they're a strong candidate for a draft night trade. They've certainly um, been uh, have not been a stranger to it in the past, but. Uh, as far as to, to address just the specific question of him versus Brown, um, I think that he's farther along defensively than Brown was last year. Um, Brown coming out of Cal was the type of player who you're like, man, this guy could become a really good player defensively. I thought Jackson last year was really good. Um, you know, in the tournament against, you know, the Spartans, like, Miles was playing really well, but, I mean, you know, they're obviously whatever childhood friends and stuff, but he was guarding Miles really well I'm better I think than I've seen Miles been guarded the entire season by one player and so that matters to me uh, it matters to me whether you show up in big moments like he did it matters to me whether you can uh, look at elite athletes across the way from you and go toe-to-toe with them all that stuff that's important to me and right. that's something that I think is also important to Danny Ainge um, yeah and that's that's so 
I would draft him if I Boston, have him there, um, and then you know kind of alternate his minutes with Jalen Brown and try to find who's the best one, assuming that you don't trade or get Gordon Hayward. Trade for you know Butler or George or get Gordon Hayward in free agency. It's a you know they're in a weird spot. <laughs> they're in a yeah. really weird spot. It's not the worst. It's not the worst problem to have. So no, it's not. But but yeah. Um. So so you're not you're not really high on them being able to play together long term. Then you kind of think it's a one or the other. <sighs> kind of. I'm honestly higher on Jackson than I am on Brown. Yeah. Me me too. Um. Me too. But I'm also I don't know. Brown kind of won me over last year, and I I think he could be something. Um. You know. I. But I think he's. I think they're both going to become too good to be a bench player. I think is um, that's kind of where I'm at with both of them, and so I don't know if uh, I don't know how they can play together. And you know, you talked about uh, Jason Tatum. Um, so do you have just like real, real quickly? This is a side note, and then we'll transition to your next guy. But um, you talked about Boston being interested in him. I mean, he's basically around the same frame as uh, as Josh Jackson, but you know. There seems to be more confidence in him being a four. Why do you think that is? Why do you think, or do you, or do you actually think that Jackson could be a better four than? Uh, I think Tatum? that the confidence around Tatum is because of his role with Duke. Um, as the year went along, he became the primary scorer. Um, I can remember specifically in the ACC tournament semifinal against North Carolina, who obviously ended up winning the championship, that Tatum took over the game. Right. Um, from from the four, and he was posting up. And he was he was uh, making moves on Isaiah Hicks and players like that that you wouldn't think of him as being able to post up. So that's why I think Tatum gets projected better as a four. Jackson didn't play that way. I mean, Kansas was in a you know one in four out um, formation for most of the year this past year, and so Jackson was mostly on the wing. He I don't know how often he posted up. I didn't see it a lot. I can tell you that. And from watching film, I didn't see it a lot. So I think. The reason that people think that Tatum can be better for is because he has been. I'm higher on Jackson because he's. I think he's a significantly better athlete and defender. Tatum's defense scares me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. So, um, anyways, let's transition. So, go ahead and give me um, another person you really want to talk about in this draft, a prospect. All right, so um, we I've been high on both of the players we talked about so far. Um, I'm not as high on the next player that we're going to talk about, and that's Larry Markkinen from Arizona. Yep. He's from Finland originally. And coming into the year, I was really excited about him because I was like, did we find Dirk? Did we do it? Did we find finished Dirk? <laughs> I don't think we found finished Dirk. Um, he can't rebound, which is problematic because he's seven feet tall. Yeah. So I don't really even know how that works. Like, I get that he's trying to be a stretch five and it's the kind of the new wave and the Porzingis effect and stuff like that, but he was consistently getting out-rebounded in the Pac-12, which is not a particularly physical league, to the point where he was sometimes not playing crunch time minutes. Um, Against UCLA, for example, um, in the game that they won um, at Pauley Pavilion, he got benched for a significant portion of the second half because he was being out-rebounded by TJ Leaf to the point where he couldn't really stay on the floor. Um, and Alonzo Trier really was the reason that uh, Arizona won that game. So I, like I said, coming into the year, I was really high on him. He's a great three-point shooter. Da, 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 but there's no way he's ever going to be, you know, quick enough to be like a three. Yeah. Right? And so if he's going to be this like stretch four, stretch five, He's got to do more, be able to do more defensively. He can't rebound defensively, and if you can't do that, then I don't really see him staying on floor. I think that this is a, like a, this is a this is my bust candidate in terms of somebody that somebody's going to take him, and I'm concerned for that team. Yeah, um, you know, you raise an interesting point with him. I think I'm kind of actually on the same boat as you. I don't know if I would call him the most likely bust, but there's definitely some suspect around him i agree with you um i agree with you on everything you said to me he seems closer to frank Kaminsky than Kristaps porzingis right right he seems like a um he seems like more of a role-playing shooter than a um than in uh a star play a star big you know what i'm saying like a dirk like a porzingis um and you know i'm i'm not I'm always though this is this is me just admitting my bias. I'm always kind of skeptical on those uh, 
on on the those players that come in as tall shooting bigs in general because mm-hmm. uh because I, I just a lot of times I tend to doubt their athleticism. And I know that that's like a stereotype and everything. But I watch his I watch him and I say, Yeah, he can move, but I don't know how well he can move. And like you said, the fact that he can't rebound is an issue. Um it, it kind of limits his ceiling to honestly being a, at best, a, a, a kind of like a Ryan Anderson type player. Systematic yeah, that's player. what I see him as. That's what I see yeah, him as. I don't the, see him as a starter, really. Yeah, a system put a system player for on on a on a pretty good team, and you know that's fine. But definitely some flaws. Maybe he could be a little bit better defensively, um, but I'm I'm not really sure. I'm not even really sure on that. So um, so. I want to ask you because we brought up Przingis. You know, obviously there's the whole situation. Phil Jackson said right before we went on the air, actually, we're recording this at 10 o'clock Wednesday, Eastern time. Um, Phil Jackson said, you know, he addressed the Porzingis rumors. He said, we love him, but we have to do what's best for the club. Obviously, that's a very very obvious uh, statement of, yeah, we're looking to trade him. And a report came out immediately after saying they're looking for a top four pick in the draft, among other assets. And um, it seems to be that this guy is the replacement for Przingis. But to me, I'm sorry, but what I I, I kind of like his game. But what on earth makes the Knicks think he's better than Kristaps Przingis, right? Like wh- I, I mean, completely where, agree with you. Where is the case? I don't see it defensively. I don't see it even offensively. I think Kristaps is a little more, bit more polished. Um, obviously, Kristaps is better size. I think Kristaps is a better rebounder. I think he has a better even motor too, and so um, so I'm, I'm and then again I'm high on Przingis, so maybe maybe I'm over exaggerating here. But I think I think Przingis is by far like I don't get why the the Knicks would even try and consider this because you hit the gold rush. You you got the the closest exactly. probably the closest thing to Dirk. Like you hit the gold mine getting uh, Przingis. You caught lightning in a bottle with that pick, and so. Um, I don't get why they would trade him, uh, but do you think? Suppose this is all smoke, and the the Knicks are just shopping for Zingas, but they're not really. They're just kind of gauging value, which is a which is thing sometimes teams do. They'll call and say, "Hey, the Cavs will call and say, hey, what's the value for Kyrie?' Just to test the waters, you know. Right. Like right. they don't plan on trading them, but you know, they, it, it's good to always know the value of your players. And so let's say they're just doing that in a, in a very elaborate, grand New York. New York theatrical way, um, of course, and, and they decide to keep Przingis. Uh, do you think that? Do you think that these two can play together? These uh, these two bigs can play together as a starting front court, or how are you feeling about that? Well, I guess my my answer to that is less to do with them as a tandem and more just to do with my opinion of marketing in general. I think Porzingis can pretty much play with anybody that's going to be at that four situation. I don't, like I think that that. Chris Ops is pretty much, you know, the perfect stretch five yeah. um, because he's not just a stretch five. Like he can get in there and bang down, down low and get boards and things like that. So he can, he's so versatile, which is why they're insane if they want to trade him. But so no is my answer because I don't think Mark is capable of being a starting four um, on a good team because he's not quick enough to defend anybody. And, I don't think that the shooting makes up for it enough. He's a he is a really good shooter. He's not the best shooter in the draft. Yeah, I don't even think he's in the top two best shooters in the draft. Yeah, you know, I'm, and so I, I just I wanted to get your thoughts on Markman because he's a player that's slipped down some boards, and there's kind of been a backlash to the backlash recently, where people have been like, "Well, hold on, you know, I I still think he can be a top level player," and I don't. I, I was really disappointed with what I saw from him, particularly in the Sweet 16 loss to Xavier. Uh, yeah. You know, you're in the Sweet 16, like, let's go. And he was terrible. Yeah. Um, and he, he, I don't know how many points he scored in that game, but watching the game at the time, I was saying, where's your lottery pick? Yeah. Where, where's my lottery pick? My lottery pick shows up in those moments against a team that, you know, they were better than Xavier and they lost. And your lottery pick is supposed to prevent that from happening. So yeah. I'm low on marketing. Yeah, um, you know I'm, I'm with you. I'm probably one of those people that would be labeled in the camp of you put too much stock in the big games as college players. Um, but 
yeah, I, I, I would definitely be in that camp of I value I valued the big time matchups a lot. Um, just because in college, it's just a, it, it's just the the, the t- overall talent level between college and NBA is otherworldly. So like right. when you're facing the big matchups, like that is your that is your one time you're essentially playing stage. other NBA col- and other NBA caliber talent. You know, so yeah, you got to step up in my opinion. And it shows a lot if they if they can't. But you know, granted, these are all kids; they can all mature, they can all grow. But it's true. yeah, um, as far as this game, yeah, I mean, I, I was sticking with the the comparison I made earlier in my notes when I when I looked back and I originally um, and I originally did did my notes about two three weeks ago, and when I when I did my deep dive and I was looking at them, Ryan Anderson kept coming up, yeah. and I just. I, I kind of feel I'm kind of honestly glad that you feel this way because it's kind of reassured me because it seems like it seems like it's been a roller coaster like you said of you know one week they're on they're on the bandwagon the next week they're off with this player and so um, ultimately to me I I think it's been it's been kind of it's been kind of hard to gauge what the even what even the biggest professionals or the, or the or the biggest scouts in the in the industry think of this guy because it seems to kind of wash with the wind you know so. Um, I, I'm, I'm sticking with I'm sticking with Ryan Anderson. Uh, do you have another comp- uh, player you you think you could compare him to, or you, how do you, how do you feel about that comparison? I mean, I think that's sort of a that's a that's like a best case scenario. I think that's kind of his ceiling. Really, is a is a really good shooting four that can defend decently, but is really kind of like a guy where you're like, all right, this is a guy who's big and shoots threes. Yeah. Um, and- yeah, and, and and I like that you said that too because I mean he's got a way to he's not a Ryan Anderson level shooter so no he's not, not yet so um, so I'm glad I'm glad that you said that too and that you preference it that way that he has to get there you know ultimately I think he might have he might be a little bit better version of Ryan Anderson because I think he can be I think he can be I think he has the tools to become a, a better defender than Ryan Anderson and overall that. That um, Ryan Anderson, if Ryan Anderson could be a defensive player, would be a juggernaut. So it's not a right. terrible comparison. That's not a bad ceiling to have, though. Ryan Anderson. No, I agree. I agree. But, but I think he's probably going to end up more like Olenek. Yeah, yeah. I, In I every him. game besides that one game. <laughs> that one game. Wow, that was crazy. The one game. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. In uh, Olenek, um, you know, Kaminsky is also a guy I could I could right. throw out there. Um, but I think I think he could be a little bit better than Kaminsky. I think Kaminsky's kind of a worst case scenario because I'm I'm kind of not really that high on Kaminsky. He's just kind of a role playing shooting big. I think he could be at the very least that. In this yeah, game. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. But I I sort of hope that he falls. I mean, I don't wish bad for the kid, but just in terms of like I'm seeing him linked to Minnesota a lot, and I don't know how much he helps them. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But who knows? The Knicks could trade Chris Stops tomorrow and draft him, but or tonight, yeah, or, tonight <laughs> or tonight as we're recording this podcast. Right. Um, all right. Keep, so keep checking Twitter. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, I want to, I want to get, um, I want to get to a guy, a score, a guard. You know who this is. He had a lot of, he had a lot of hype early in the year, but it's kind of dissipated. His momentum's kind of dissipated. He's he's been one of the cases that has kind of been like you're hearing less and less about him as the draft approaches, which is kind of interesting, and that's Malik Monk. Um, I, I just want to ask you, honestly, how good, in your opinion, is Malik Monk? I literally love Malik Monk. But I think that this has something to do with, uh, you know, who I wish I was. Because if I could be any type of player, it would be the guy who gets scaldedly hot. Yeah. Um, I want to just once feel what it's like to, to feel what he must have felt like in Las Vegas um, in December uh, against yeah. North Carolina when yeah. he dropped 49. I mean, the shots, they weren't good shots. It wasn't yeah. like he was getting good looks at the basket, you know, with, with other players creating him just hitting spot-ups. I mean, he was going off the dribble and just chucking things to the basket, and they just kept going in. Yeah. Um, so that, I, that's why I hope he goes to New York. Because, I mean, and this is a point that, that I've seen been made. This isn't just my original thought but the idea of him getting hot at msg against boston like that's awesome and that's what i that's what i hope happens um the concerns with him is that he's not particularly long 
and yeah. he's not particularly fast for a two. So there's concerns about him defensively, and they're fair comparisons. Yeah. But I just think, like, worst-case scenario, he's in an offense. And just, just, like, a guy who can just get ridiculously hot to the point where, like, you know, sometimes games completely shift to where it's not even one team against the other team. I mean, obviously this is a huge comparison, but, like, you know, when Clay gets hot, that becomes the game. Yeah, it's not whatever team against Warriors. It's whatever team against Clay, and then he still wins, you know. And he, that game mattered to me. Was it replicated at that high of a level? No, but he did get hot in other games. He got really hot against Mississippi State, and um, he got really hot against Georgia once. Uh, he he saved them against Georgia on January thirty first. They were yeah. down, I think, six exactly. with a minute and a half left, and he just would not. It was Brett Musburger's last game. Uh, as a commentator, and he single-handedly sent that game into overtime. And I mean, even in the tournament against Carolina, he's the one who hit the three that set up Luke May's great shot. You know, they lost the yeah. game, but it certainly wasn't his fault. Yeah, and you know, I um, I feel like this is a lazy comparison, um, but it's one that kind of sticks with me. And that is Lou Williams. How do you feel about a Lou Williams comparison? Because because Lou Williams is for all the knocks he has, you know, the struggles in the playoffs are well noted and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But Lou Williams is, you know, he he's 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 always been a solid player, and now he's at the point in his career where he's become a valuable a valuable role player. Um, do you see Malik Monk as more of a valuable role player, or like a starter, or even a star? Like where where do you see Malik Monk? I rate him a little bit higher than Lou Williams. I would say that he reminds me more, and not, by the way, I should I should preface this because people are going to freak out because he's not as tall or as long or as big, but uh, like in game five, JR, the way JR went off. Yeah. You that, that's, that. yeah. That's what he reminds me of more, you know? And so... I don't know. That's that's how I see the kind of player that he could become. Um, is is a guy who you're like that dude's getting hot, yeah, um, scary hot, and that's that's what I hope, obviously for his sake. Yeah, um, you know, J.R. Smith. Uh, you know, his defense come and goes with the wind. Um, right. You know, I I think when he's locked in, I think he's a better defender than Malik Monk. Uh, than mm-hmm. Malik Monk will be. Uh, but. But you're right. As far as a difficult shot maker, shot taker, um, you know, I mean, look, the Cavs won a championship with J.R. Smith as their starting shooting guard. So, um, yeah. so you know, that that's not that's not the worst. Like you can uh, to have that kind of ceiling to be or to be a player that can be a starting shooting guard on a championship team. Not the best player, not even the big three, but the fourth or fifth best player in the starting lineup. That's on a championship team. That's a pretty good. Um, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good place to be. And so I think he can be the right player if he, or I think he can be a good player if he gets in the right system and everything. Um, but I could also see him as a guy who ends up as a empty stats guy, a guy who, you know, um, I, I would say up until this year, Deion Waiters was an empty stats guy. Um, Deion Waiters though. And once, once the calendar turned, he kind of, he started actually resulting in wins. But before that, he was kind of a guy who just got numbers, but, it didn't matter. His numbers could be 20, 30, or 10. The team still lost, you know? And so um, so I could see him being a, an empty stats guy like Lou Williams was early and even last year in L.A. But, you know, granted, that's a different situation because L.A. is just a terrible team at that time. But, um, yeah, I, I think I think he can be a valuable role player. I think he can be a, a, a spark plug. And I think there's always going to be guys like that needed in the NBA. I think every championship team needs a guy like Malik Monk. So I think at the very least, he could be a serviceable role player on a good team one day. Um, I mean, look. The yeah, Pistons, I think it all depends boys. on fit. Yeah, I mean, the bad boys wouldn't have won without Vinny Johnson, you know. And, and so, like, like there are – there's always been these players that that um, fulfill that quote unquote microwave role, you know. Yep. So, um, so I think I think that Malik Monk could could be that, and so I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty high on him. But at the same time, I think um, 
I think I'm not as high as some people because I just don't see the star caliber because I don't see the consistency with him. That's fair. I think I'm a little higher on him than you are. Uh, I don't know. That that game left that, that game against Carolina left really just an impression on my mind. Just the, like the idea of him taking over a game. I can see that happening in the league. I can see him taking over an NBA game. And that is something that I don't see for a whole lot of players in, in this draft. I can only really see that with four or five players in this draft. You know, Luke Kennard is not taking over a game in the NBA, right? Markham right. is not taking over a game in the NBA. I don't think Dennis Smith is taking over a game in the NBA. You know, the, um, yeah, so, so yeah, that, that, that would be my thing with why I'm a little higher on him than you is I see him as a guy who can change games. And I don't think that there's that many guys out there. Do I think he's a consistent star, like, perennial all-star probably not but uh like you said you know Dion waiters is an empty stats guy until he's not right you know because if Dion waiters is uh in a meaningful moment he can shine and that's that's the kind of guy that i think malik is because when it was big the lights were bright i think that he really performed and that matters to me that's why i want him to go to the brightest lights possible Yep. I mean, that's fair. And, you know, like you said, it's it's funny how those little moments can be the difference in winning a title and losing exactly. a title. So, like, you know, all it takes is one J.R. Smith game or one Malik Monk game, and all of a sudden the team could be, you know, up 3-2 instead of down 3-2, you know, or something like that. Like, series can turn, ties can turn um, with, with players like that. So that's why everybody needs a microwave kind of guy. But, um Anyways, let's let's talk let's talk some um, let's move on from the prospects. Um, I'll probably do another draft pod before uh, I'll try and do another draft pod draft pod before the podcast or before the draft starts. Sorry, but um, but let's let's talk some trade rumors because honestly, you know, as much as I I love to deep dive in this in this NBA draft talk uh, because this is a fantastic draft, we got to talk about what the hell is going on in this. Oh my god, I. I can't I can't be at work because I, I feel like I'm missing the I yesterday on my break I saw you know I was yelling at my friend I go dude they just traded D'Angelo Russell and Mozgov to the Nets and then like five minutes later it was like is Porzingis getting traded for Devin Booker and then mm-hmm. as I was laughing about how crazy it was I saw that Dwight Howard got traded and I was like holy shit yeah. <laughs> and we haven't even mentioned Paul George Jimmy Butler you know we briefly touched on David Griffin being fired. Like, all this happened in four days. Yeah. I oh, by the way, the number one pick got traded. Yeah, and, exactly. <laughs> and the number one pick got traded. Like, all these things all these things are just crazy right now. I mean, it seems like forever ago the Golden State Warriors won the title. And, like, it seems like they're, they're honestly an afterthought at this point. Like, the finals has become as great as it was. All the views it got has become a literal afterthought with how yeah. crazy this NBA um, has been. And so... Um, so just some things like you said, you highlighted uh you highlighted the Lakers trading Russell to the Nets for Brooke Lopez. Um to me this is a great move for the Nets. I'm not high on mm-hmm. Russell. Everyone who's listened to me both on the podcast and off air in person, I am very, very uh, off on uh, off on the Russell bandwagon. Um and it's not just because of the immature thing that he did last year. That that contributed to it, but it's not just because that's mainly because I just don't know if I don't have confidence in him being a star. I think he's got an ego, not in a great way. And I think that overall, just as a player, I just don't see a transcendent level talent like a lot of people thought. But, you know, at at the Nets, if you're the Nets, this is a great trade. This is a great, great trade. Um, This is what the Nets should have been doing. Give me the calling all the teams and say, look, what is your worst contract? We will take it for a pick or your your best young player. Yeah, I totally agree. And so when you don't have draft picks, it's a, it's a home run for the Nets and the Lakers. I thought that was a great trade. That was a great trade that I wanted to happen. Um, I think, I think honestly, if I'm being honest, I think I've done that in 2K before. Um, <laughs> um, and then, uh, like you said, you know, Kristaps Porzingis being shopped. Uh, but you said, uh, you said Dwight Howard was traded for essentially a bag of Skittles while he was live tweeting about how crazy the rumors was. Oh, Dwight. That was, a, that was a tough Dwight moment. Is that, let me ask you a question. Do you think that that will be Dwight's Twitter legacy, or will it be that our current president of the United States, like, had one of his many sort of egomaniacal moments when 
Howard signed with Houston four years ago, and he was tweeting that the haters and losers didn't know that he was signing with Houston. Like, wh- I mean, I feel bad for Dwight because five years ago, like, he was a force, and now he's like he a joke. And now he's Dwight Bola, and it's like, I hope it works out. I don't know if yeah. it will, but I hope it does. Yeah. Um, I, I have confidence. Steve Clifford's a phenomenal coach. He's from that Van Gundy coaching tree. I have I have a lot of faith in. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Steve Clifford. Uh, the way he turned, I mean, he anchored a great just a couple years ago. He anchored a great defense with Al Jefferson as your starting yeah. center. So yeah, I, I I think it's a good situation. I wasn't high on the Atlanta situation from the jump. He's still getting overpaid, so it's still a terrible contract, but. Um, as far as as far as Charlotte a move, I think it I think it gets them back in, back into playoff contention definitely. So, you know, sometimes you gotta. I mean, they're overpaying for a roster that's not gonna achieve a lot, but you know, hey, they're gonna get in the playoffs. I think with that with that move, I think that's. Nice and in the East, you never know. Yeah, the East exactly. You never know. Um, honestly, you never know anything anymore with all these trades. Uh, so. Let's talk though the big stuff. The big stuff that everybody wants to talk about is Butler and mm-hmm. George. So right now it's saying Butler wants to stay with the Bulls because interestingly, there's a report that anonymous Cleveland players are telling Butler not to commit to Cleveland because the situation is volatile. One it is I volatile. That, yeah, yeah, it is volatile. And um and one one I doubt that the just a side note, I doubt that the Cavs were going to get him anyway. I just don't see the assets. And even if they trade Butler for Love, and as good of a trade as that would be for Cleveland, I'm high on Love. And, but even even though, even though even with that trade, it still doesn't put you over Golden State. They would need to acquire Butler with Kevin Love. Like They would need a big four, in my opinion, um, to really to really contend with contend with Golden State or be favorites uh, they can contend right now I believe they can so that's why I think they'll run it back but um, these Butler Paul George rumors to Cleveland uh, are you are you buying it I mean what are you Cleveland's interesting I uh, think I think George is far more likely yeah I agree than I Butler agree. Uh, um, I can see Cleveland going all in on a one-year rental you know because I mean, we don't need to touch. We don't need to talk about this too much. But I'm not 100 percent sure LeBron's going to be there. You know, this right. time next year. So uh, I can see them going all in on one year. Uh, I know that there's discussions for with um, the Lakers about like, yeah. the 27th pick and Julius Randle for um, Paul George. But I don't. I don't. I mean, if I'm Indiana, I'd rather get Kevin Love back. I get that Kevin yeah. Love isn't. You know didn't play great in the finals or whatever, but he's certainly a lot better than Julius Randle in the tw- in whatever the 27th pick is. Uh, right now it's being projected as like DJ Wilson who wears short shorts. So, I mean, like whatever I would much rather trade him to Cleveland if I were Indiana. Um, and if I'm Cleveland, I'm willing to take that gamble because Kyrie, LeBron, Paul George does it make you favorites against golden state. No, but that's an, really interesting series those three interests in Thompson that's a really interesting series that's another guy that you can throw on Durant and give LeBron a little bit of break maybe let him slip back into his free safety role that he played last year in the finals yeah you know just kind of playing off Draymond and daring him to shoot and that whole thing uh I would go for that 100% I think that makes sense for both teams now it because and because Cleveland this is probably this is the last hurrah coming up I think it's either going to happen or it's not this year. Even if LeBron does resign, now he's 34. I know he's LeBron, but he'll be 34 this time next year. Yeah. Like, I, I'm with you. I was actually one of the stupid people around, I want to say, it was like February of, tw- of 2016 when they had that ESPN, I don't know if you remember, but ESPN aired this thing for like three or four days in a row. I think it was, oh yeah, it was after the uh, after the Warriors smacked the Cavs in Cleveland. And Curry said, you know, I hope the locker room still tastes like shit yeah, yeah. or whatever, blah, blah. Then they had they ran this debate, will LeBron ever get another title? And it looked so foolish because he, he won later that year. But, right. um, but you know, uh, so I, I'll never count LeBron out again because I was in that camp that said, yeah, I think he's, I think he's done. Um, yeah. Since then I've learned, I've learned to chill on dynasties and presume dynasties and everything. And to me, honestly, the way I look at it now is you get in the finals, you have a shot. So I will never say that it's their last hurrah, but you're right. I mean, the Lakers trading Russell and Mozgov, the, the point that, um, and you kind of alluded to, 
was their goal is to sign LeBron and Paul George together there. So maybe maybe Cleveland's not the place they team up. I think I'm not 100% sure that they don't move with each other. I think that I honestly think there's a possibility that Paul George spends one year in Cleveland, then goes back to purple and gold, which is a slightly different shade, and that mm-hmm. uh, LeBron might might join him. You know, I mean, that's again, that's a, that's an opposite discussion or a separate discussion. Yeah. But I think for Paul George, I don't think he's going to be traded to Lakers this year. I know that they they say there's talks. You know, obviously I could be wrong. He can get traded in ten minutes, but. If I'm Indiana, I don't. I think I'd literally rather lose him for nothing next year than get Julius Randle on the 27th pick. Like, what's the point yeah. of that? And if I'm the Lakers, I'd rather wait and get him for free. Agreed. <laughs> like, so I don't. I don't get what both sides. Uh, honestly, both sides. It's not really. It's not really much. Like Julius Randle is. I. I like him. I'm high on him. But yeah, he's not going to change your franchise. Um, I. I think your life. I think life goes on if they don't get. If they don't get Julius Randle in the 27th yeah. pick for Paul George. So. You're right. Um, so, moving on, um, I want to talk. I want to talk before we get out of here, and we'll wrap up with this. Is give me one team slash player you think will be very active, or a team slash player that could be very active on draft night. Uh, I mean, this is cliche, but Boston. Yeah. I don't think Boston's done. I don't think. Bo- I don't they think Boston's. The good- you think they're pulling it? You think they're making the big move, or do you think they're? I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Because I think that they could trade down again. That they'll trade down again. Yeah. I mean, they're the type of team that could say, "Yeah, you know, actually, we don't like the value at three. Let's trade down and try to get Jonathan Isaac at seven or eight or whatever." You know, like, you know, uh, right now, yeah. obviously, the Knicks are shopping Porzingis for anything. They they want a top five pick, right? Could they right. trade the third pick to the Knicks for Porzingis? I mean. That's a. I'm on Danny Age. Like I'm hitting whatever button you need to hit. I'm hitting that button. Yeah. But I, you know, we talked about Josh Jackson. I like Josh Jackson. I'd rather have Porzingis. Yeah. Um, especially with their current roster construction. So yeah, I think Boston's going to be active. I think that they're fielding all kinds of calls because this whole thing with Boston is they're trying to build for 2017 and 25 at the same time, right? I mean, that's what everybody says. Yeah. So I think that that whole, you know, duality in Danny Ainge's head. I think he's running every possible scenario right now. I would be honestly surprised if they just sit there and take Tatum or, or Jackson and just kind of like sit back. I would be surprised if that happened. I think they're not. Yeah. I don't think they're done. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think they're going to trade. I think they're going to make moves, but I'm not entirely sure um, which. I'm not entirely sure which way they'll go. Knowing right. Danny Ainge in the history, I'm guessing they're going to still take the long route. I think they're going to continue to take the long route because that assets. Seems to be, <laughs> that seems to be the way they they're going. Um, you know, and, and you know, eventually though, you got to flip those assets into something. You got to make something happen, or else you know, the time the time is kind of expiring on these on some of these assets. Um, so they gotta they gotta make these moves. Um, I don't think that if they get, it, it's tough because I think that I I'm not high on Boston. Those who've listened to the podcast know that, but um, it, and I think that if you add Butler or Paul George, great, you challenge the Cavs maybe, but do you challenge Golden State? I don't think so. No. So it, it's like, so it's like, really, it's like, uh, you're, you're competing to move one round up. And, you know, I, again, even though I just said, you know, you get in the finals, anything can happen. I get that. But I don't think they would beat the Cavs yeah. with it, either. I mean, let's say them both. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm with you on that too. I would still say exactly. That's another point too, is the Cavs would still be the favorites, even if they got George or Butler. Um, but, you know, and and then and then say you get to Warriors, uh, it would take extreme, extreme, you know, tide turning moves and injuries right. and all that for for the Celtics to actually win. So I, I'm I'm okay with Danny Ainge playing the long ball, unlike some people, but he's got to commit. I mean, he's got Isaiah Thomas, who's entering free agency, um, coming up this next season, and then and then Al Horford, um, is is definitely on the older side. So it, it it's like you got these old stars, but you got these young assets. So it's like you gotta, I mean, they they gotta pick a direction. I think that this draft, regardless of, regardless of what happens or regardless of uh, which route they go, I think that June twenty second will be the night that they look back. What whatever happens happens, but June twenty second will be the night that that like the NBA historians will look back and say and do the what if game, right, in Boston. Right, I agree. I think it's it's. I think that 
you know, obviously the Garnett and Pierce trade is kind of the beginning. And I think this year is the end of whatever, you know, you don't want to say process because that's, that's been trademarked, but <laughs> that, that this sort of era, shot, big shout out Joel Embiid, big shout out Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, the whole crew. I, I love what they're doing. As I know. Aside, aside the point. Um, but this kind of era of, you know, this whole trader Danny thing, I think that this is a real pivotal moment this year, you know, foregoing the number one pick in the name of asset collection. I think this is a big moment. Yeah, I agree with you. So, all right. So before we get out of here, uh, one last quick question, just a quick hit. And this is because I'm a Piston fan. You know this mm-hmm. from, from journalism class. I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I might have said a thing or two about being a Pistons fan. I can't remember. Did you? Yeah, maybe. But in case I didn't, I am a Pistons fan. And um, we're looking at we're looking at right now the, the projection has to take Zach Collins. So, Collins, so I trust your advice. You definitely know your draft stuff. We've talked off air. Um, you definitely know your draft stuff. So give me your take on Zach Collins and or whoever the Pistons should take at that 12th spot. Real quick. I'm high on Zach Collins. You are? Uh, Good. Yeah, I am. Uh, the... the I got a lot of friends who go to Gonzaga. It's in Washington State. It's in this place called Spokane. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it. It's it's, a, it's desolate, but um, so just talking to people, they say, "Man, this dude is he's like he should be more, you know." And he was behind Shemek Karnowski, uh starting, but this is a guy who was a McDonald's All American who could have started on almost any team in the country. Um, and I was surprised when he declared, but I get it. Um, and I think that, that it would be a steal at 12. I could see him going higher. And I, I hope for your sake that he falls because this is a guy who um, can shoot the three. I think he's better than Markkanen. He's going lower than Markkanen in most drafts. I think he's better than Markkanen. He's a far better rebounder. He's not the level of shooter yet, but I think he could become that. Um, he's a much better rebounder. I think he's a more complete player. And I think he's a better athlete. Um, I am very high on Collins as a guy who can come in and and. Uh, at the very least, I see him being, you know, I think his, whereas marketing, we said his upside is kind of that Ryan Anderson level. I think that that's kind of a downside or a worst case scenario with Collins that he's a good athlete, plays the four, can shoot, whatever. Um, I think that he's a guy who can come in and hopefully change that team and, and, and uh, you know, right now their whole thing where they just kind of center it around Drummond. You know, I don't like that. And I'd rather, yeah. for their sake, I'd rather they, they, they go inside out, they get with the times, so to speak, and get a guy who can be that stretch five. I'm, yeah, I'm high on Fultz. Or I'm not Fultz. I'm looking at, sorry, I look at Fultz. I'm coming across my screen on Collins. Well, the delusional fanboy in me is convinced. Zach Collins. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for reassuring me on that. I appreciate that. Of course. No problem. Anyways, Thank you, thank you, Chase Michaelson, for coming on. Um, again, you can catch all his work at Quick Slant. Go ahead and do your plug because I'm sure you can plug yourself and promote yourself better than I can. So yeah, yeah, so it's www.thequickslant.wix.com, and it's just a blog for me and a couple of my friends, and we write about sports, and that's what's going on. So, you know, it's not quite Chris's situation yet, but we hope to get it up and running. So yeah. Well, you know. It, with time, with time, of course, with time, man. Uh, keep it going because I know what you do. Uh, we've had our conversations both in class and outside of class, and I definitely know that you know your stuff, and I trust you. So I'm just a I nerd. That's stuff. what it is. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, aren't we all? Aren't we all? True. Just nerds this is true. In, in some way, in some way, shape, or form. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. Um, uh, I will put your Twitter and link to your website in the description. So fans, um, be sure to check that. It will be in the description. If you don't know already, fans, I put all my guest links to their stuff in in the description of their Twitter. So um, check that out if you if you missed what he said there. Again, um, check out what he does on Quick Slant. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, he engaged with a lot of people. He he engages with me. So um, this is true. So I see I see him I see him active on Twitter. So uh, follow him there. Support him there because he's doing great things and. Uh, He's definitely going to be one of my draft gurus. I'm going to lean on heavily for the for the time being. So, thank you, Chase, for coming on. As always, you can catch all my content on uh, on Podbean and iTunes, whichever platform you prefer. To get there, you can find my Twitter, which is at real Chris Platty. That's real C H R I S P L A T T E. If you don't know how to spell real, don't follow. Just kidding. You can follow anyways. But 
on iTunes and Podbean. You will have you will have um, links, and those links will be on my Twitter in my bio. Very easy to find. And uh, don't forget that chrispiety.com is coming soon. I know we're approaching the, the end of, of June, and I'm trying to get it out before then, but there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that, unfortunately, the fans will never know about when it comes to the process of, uh, of taking this podcast to the next level. So I want to make sure everything's right. But, again, I will be converting to video and, uh, video podcasts. Um, I will still have audio podcasts. I'll have video and audio podcasts on every platform that allows me to. I'm talking YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podbean, still uh, Stitcher, everywhere. I everywhere Google Play, everywhere I could get, uh, everywhere I could get my podcasts on. And then ChrisPlay.com will be a one-stop shop where you can consume those podcasts in any way, shape, or form you please. As well as it will integrate my Facebook and Twitter feeds so you can stay up to date with the latest on my podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I am your host, Chris Platty, and joining me for the first time, doing a phenomenal job, is Chase Michelson. Chase, thank you for coming on, man. Thank you so much. Over and out. Bam out of bio.